Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, guys, so we always do on Monday night where we record, we do the PFF night, uh, PFF Browns, uh, PFF Cleveland, John Costco, kind enough to join us here tonight. We're going to break this down. Uh, you know, yesterday was you know a tough game, but you wanted this, you wanted a litmus test, and Look, at the end of the day, you gave up 29 points. Um, The way the game could have factored, it could have been a lot closer. Uh, Baker Mayfield, a rough first half, a strong second half. Uh, Predominantly a strong second half for the entire Cleveland Browns unit. You're going to get some nerves here about a couple injuries and how this plays out over the next couple of weeks. But you you went down and you faced a team who had won eight straight games. Now they won nine straight games. NFC South, divisional leader. You got everything you could. John, before we get into the grades and everything, but, um, you know, Baker, it was a tough first half. Obviously, it was terrible. But the thing you like, and this is kind of what you get with Baker Mayfield is, is he kind of went in halftime and like, guys, look, I understand this hole is on me, and we're going to do everything we can to rectify it here over the next 30 minutes. And that's kind of what you saw. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you wanted this. Obviously, it was bad in the first half, and you wanted the team to come out and see how he responded the third interception was a straight yolo ball and that's what you don't want yes there was a little bit of a miscommunication on that you know he he threw uh to njoku who he thought was going to go more vertical than he flattened it out so there is a little bit of that but yes he was just pretty much trying to go for go for it all um and you know if you think about it you you know you want to see if maybe tuck it and run it there hit it when he's in the pocket clean there because he did have a, a shot to him early in that play. Um, so you come, you're going to, to go into halftime and you see how he's going to respond. And it's not so much that, like, yeah, it was great that he, he res- obviously had a great second half. But it wasn't, you know, the, the, the Texans didn't change up their, you know, they didn't back off. They, they kept running their stuff and he was able to, to, to figure it out. He picked it, you know, he picked it apart. Um, and you know they didn't they didn't back off on their horses. They actually got a lot more pressure on on Baker in in the second half than they did in the first half. Um, so the fact that he was able to respond uh, under pressure and figuring out what their their defense was doing um, and finding the open receiver that that said a lot. Um, you know, and obviously you, you want to see him not. Um, you know, you look at the first interception. It was great play by getting him there. Um, the second one. Uh, he forced it in there. It was, it was late, uh, throwing it to Callaway. You, know, you, you want to see Callaway come back for that. He was still late going to and, and finding him open. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was great second half. Obviously, not not enough. And, and that was part of it, though. I think, you know, and, and this is the things that Browns have done, you know, for the last, and with Freddie Kitchens. And, look, you give him a pass here. You know, obviously, a oh, defense came a little bit more prepared for their style. But they've been more underneath and looking for yak and that type of stuff. And Houston came with the coverage where it confused Baker, it confused Freddie Kitchens, and it led to these interceptions, it led to these turnovers. But once they realized, all right, look, let's start going a little bit more vertical here, all of a sudden, that's when it kind of opened up. You know, um, I don't I don't think that's actually entirely true. Okay. I think it's because you look at his average depth of target in the first half, it was 15.8 yards down the field. So he was going vertically. Uh, they actually ran a lot more screens in the second half than they did in the first half, and that that was stuff where it, it opened up the you know the deeper shots for him. Uh, so there is there is that 
you know, so like you know, 15.8 in the in the first half, in the second half it was 9.9 average depth of target. So, you know, I think I think what you saw was him hitting those deeper shots instead of actually missing on them or throwing interceptions. So it just looked a lot better because he was actually hitting them. You know, you look at what he was. You know, obviously the Njoku ball was a a deep you know, deep pass. Um, you know, the interception to Callaway was, was down the field about 17, 20 yards down the field. Um, and even, even the first interception, he was targeting a guy, um, you know, on, on a, on a deeper route, you know, middle of the field, 15 to 20 yards. So you hit those, it looks like you're stretching the field, um, more so. So I think it was just the, the sheer fact that he was able to hit throws, while also they're they were what they're doing is running a lot more screens, a lot of shorter stuff underneath to bring them up so that it opened up the deeper stuff when when they were there. Okay, no problem with that. Now, John, one of the things we're going to get from with this game, and, and we talked about it with the pregame show and everything going into this game was, is how athletic and how much this defensive line and the pass rushers for the Houston Texans get home. Baker Mayfield didn't get sacked once. And, you know, you look at the grades, you know, obviously Greg Robinson was a little rough, but everybody else, positive grades. Look, when you're doing PFF, guys, you want to see stuff in the green. And other than Greg Robinson, the other four offensive linemen were all in the green as far as their pass blocking grades. Yeah, Robinson's issues were, were obviously because of a couple of penalties. Uh, obviously, one taken away that, that Callaway touchdown. He gave up four uh, official uh, pressures, you know, when you include the um, – uh, when you include the when when you exclude no no plays, so you know just the uh, actual uh, stats there. When you when you include the no plays, um, it was a little bit worse. He gave up five pressures, so you had the you know the pressure on the on the hold, so that t- gets taken away, and that was a pretty bad one. Um, but other than that, yeah, the, the offensive line performed extremely well. Botonio gave up just one hurry. Uh, total uh you had treader was a clean slate zeitler is a clean slate uh hubbard you know going up against jj watt we were expecting a lot you know a lot of struggles there he actually held up uh, pretty well he did give three minor pressures but um yeah the, the offensive line did their part and especially in the first half which is when when baker obviously had his struggles um but he was only under pressure on two of his dropbacks in, in the first half so um he was much more pressured in the second half, and that's when they were bringing their horses uh, more so towards him and when Baker obviously played better. But just two dropbacks in the first half, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and, and what you saw with the second half with Baker was it was more of a, look, just give the ball to me. I'll do everything I can. And I go back to it. It was I created this hole. I'm going to do everything I can to fix it. And it was just, you know, that's what you want in the maturation of a quarterback because as crappy as this first half was, you saw the second half where it was just like, all right, I'm going to do everything I can to get it out of the hole I dug. And just very, very impressed with that. Um, you know, Jarvis Landry, some of the receivers, Antonio Callaway, um, you know, Nick Chubb in the receiving aspect. And I'll always go back to this one, John. Nick Chubb, <laughs> Duke Johnson, uh, limited pass pro reps, but uh, both one of them, well over 80. Yeah, they they were clean on the sheet. Um that, I mean, the, th- the whole unit did a really good job protecting this game, um, and they were a part of that. Yeah, sure, you know, Chubb only had five pass blocks. Uh, Duke Johnson had five, but they didn't get beat on those, and so they get a positive grade, and that's what you want from that. So, yeah, um, you know, Landry obviously showed up, you know, 
well in this game, had a couple of big-time catches, obviously with the one that was behind him with the, the uh, one-handed grab that he got when he was... The other guy needed into him or whatever, but even still impressive, just hand-eye manipulation. Yeah, exactly, and then and, um, he had a couple... Uh, he had the big-time you know, big catch down the sideline on the very next play that, um, you know was a really really excellent throw by Baker over the over the outstretched hand of the defender there. So yeah, um you know a little bit all of this was, you know, too little too late, but I think you know what you saw there is <laughs> something that you, obviously Baker can do and and uh what he can do with this this these weapons and even like with Duke on that one play where he caught it for I don't know what it went for like 25. 20 yeah. yeah, it got called back by Higgins hold which Looked more like a pancake than than a hold, but uh, you still, can never call a wide receiver for holding. It's my pet peeve. Maybe it's the wide receiver yeah. in me, John. Yeah, and I, it's that looks. You know, it's it's that that one's a tough to swallow, especially for me because Duke's not, Duke. I had him playing in fantasy and <laughs> did, did absolutely nothing for me. And my bench almost scored more points in my lineup, but uh, yeah. It's, then Chubb came back the next play and had a woosa, big woosa, woosa, woosa. Usa. So it's just, yeah, it's it's nice, you know. If you can get these guys incorporated like that, it's like, all right, he, he, you know, he had a big gain. It was called back. Let's give it to this guy. He's gonna get a big gain. So good stuff from from Baker de- delivering the ball in the second half to his playmakers. Okay, now John, before you know, we start to switch on over to the other side of the ball. Um, you know, we've gotten, you know, I've had some guy, some people in, you know, they're, you know, a lot of them are across the pond, you know, English, you know, guys who are over in England and take Jack, t- Jack and Paul. No, no, they're good. They're good. They're good. But a, a couple of listeners take me through a play like Antonio Callaway's fumble as far as grading it, because I mean, everything in look with Antonio Callaway. You know, we're trying to find the positives here, and he keeps bringing them week in, week out, and he makes a miraculous catch. You know, gets himself to the goal line, and at the last second, just you know, kind of maybe loses his marbles. Should have just ran the daylight to the pylon. But how do you grade a play like that from Antonio Callaway, where it's a miraculous catch, and but the end result turns out to be a negative? Yeah. So essentially, we we can split up our grading. Um, you can grade. The catch in its in and of itself, and the run that he had after that, up until the fumble. So like you have the catch and the run after that was was obviously big time, right? So um, you combine those two. It's a basically in our system we give that a plus one for him. If he had finished the the touchdown and scored, it would have been a plus one point five because you 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 finished the play essentially. So uh, you you've outrun the the defense. Uh, obviously he didn't do that. He veered back into the defense. And he gets stripped and and fumbles it, so the fumble becomes a you know he gets a minus one point five for that <sighs> type of fumble, so it's a for him it's a net minus point five, uh, but you know with our grades and you know a good thing about it is that you can you know separate these types of things. So if you were to you know and if you have PFF Elite, you can open up the um, uh, you know the the game the game grades for this game, and you can go to the receiving grades for this, and you can see Antonio Callaway has a, a receiving grade of of sixty four point one and a fumble grade of sixteen. So the you can obviously that sixteen is very bad because he he fumbled the ball, but um, you know they, they they do get separated out like that. Um, 
and uh, that's essentially how we grade it is that you you can separate the two from each other um, it, you know it's same thing with a lot you know you see it a number of times where this guy makes a spectacular play and then right at the end of the play he fumbles it for whatever reason I think it happened in a it happened in an Oklahoma Texas game this weekend where uh, it was CD Lamb. He made like five people miss, and then right at the end of it, as he's getting tackled, fumbled the ball, and it turned it over. You same thing. You know, you you grade each individual part of this. Um, you know, you give him plus, you know, plus one, plus one point five, whatever it may be, and how many guys he makes makes miss, and then you fumble it. You get a big negative of a minus one point five. And it's tough. I mean, and you feel bad for him for because obviously it was you know the play erased by the penalty where he went to the house. Then they run another play. Then he comes back, goes almost to the house again. Uh, you know, tough spot for Antonio Callaway, but y- you see the player and the development and the fact that he's becoming part of this and he's, you know, able to use his deep speed. And it was just a miraculous play, the catch, and to get off the tackle off of it because he was literally contacted, you know, as he was catching it, still to be able to break it and just, you know, I mean, you feel bad for the kid because, you know, you know, he feels terrible. Baker went right up to him, and that's what we want to see in your leader and your quarterback. Just tough, tough, tough. Um, but, guys, we are brought to you tonight by Action Heat. Um, Action Heat, outdoor clothing um, in extreme temperatures, um, under a budget. Um, you know, everything starting at $39.99. Um, I've used Action Heat clothing. Um, you know, as you guys have listened, I echo soccer, and we, we played up until almost Thanksgiving in 20-degree temperatures. Um, they have battery active, uh, battery activated, similar to stuff, you know, and you can charge yourself on through it. Keeps you warm. Just hit the button. It takes you up to 135 degrees Fahrenheit. Keeps you warm. Gets you through the day. Action Heat is available in men's and women's clothing in great new styles. Kind of looks similar to North Face, but it's it's comfortable. It's not heavy. It's not bulky. Keeps you warm. Gets you through tough, tough temperatures. Whether you're in Minnesota like John or New Jersey like me, and you got driveways to shovel and walkways to shovel, it does the job. Make winter and outdoor activities more enjoyable and more bearable if you use a product like Action Heat. If you want to order from Action Heat, guys, I will give you a promo code of the promo code is locked on, all lowercase. Um, your first initial purchase, um, whatever you're looking for, you will get a 20% discount on your final checkout. So go to, uh, you use that the, use the promo code locked on, or when you initially uh, go into uh, Action Heat, Action Heat slash locked on, either way, use it towards your you know final checkout. You get 20% off, and look, it is good. It is durable. I work outside the entire winter. I'm outside a lot. So Action Heat is a big, big process in that and helps me through it. Action Heat, guys, use the promo code, all lowercase, locked on. John, we're going to go here to the defensive side of the ball. And the first thing that stands out to me is the secondary. And it seems a little interesting because you know, Deshaun Watson and this Texans offense was humming early on. Um, and even T.J. Carey, he felt bad for him because it seemed like he had every inch on New Hopkins. But a guy with that catch radius. But the secondary, I mean, these guys did a solid, solid job. I mean, and, you know, you keep in mind Philip Gaines... And everybody kind of laughed about it, but he was another one with a solid grade this week. Yeah, uh, you look at uh, obviously BBC was a uh, Brian Body Calhoun made the team of the week for us uh, with a grade of ninety two point oh. His coverage grade, uh, he, you know, he forced a fumble 
uh, had two stops, didn't miss a tackle, but you know, uh, just gave up four catches for 20 yards. Um, so he, had a sack. he I don't care what anybody says. He had a sack. I don't care about the penalty. <laughs> exactly. So we still grade that as a sack. You know, the, we give him the credit for for making that. It was unblocked, so it's a, you know, in, it's not like he beat somebody, so he's not getting like a big big grade for that. But he still gets a positive for that. Um, so he was, you know, he was solid and, and he did his part. You know, look at Philip Gaines. Um, he was targeted four times, gave up two catches for just 17 yards. Um, you know, he was he was solid making, you know, uh, you know, filling in for an injured Denzel Ward who, um, I mean, you still need Denzel Ward out there because he's a playmaker. You know, he could potentially break up some of those passes uh, that, you know, Nuke's going to take, you know, haul in. That, but Nuke is a, and essentially, he's, in, in my mind, you know, he's a, he's a top three receiver in the NFL. Uh, yeah. he, grades, he essentially grades, as a, you know, perennially as a top four receiver except for one year when uh, I can't remember who was throwing the football. He had thousands of different quarterbacks throwing the football, but pretty much everybody that you know that's been trash that's been gone, going through there, he's put up astronomical numbers and grades. Uh, so he's he's he finally has a quarterback that can get him the ball consistently, and obviously you see what he, you know. Essentially, he can do the same thing, but even better. But um, yeah, rough day for T.J. Carey. I mean. I, I, you know, you look at what he was able to do against Julio Jones. I, a lot, you know, he was in good coverage there, and he was did a solid job. But I think Nuke is just a little bit better in terms of contested catches and better at um, sideline catches, and, uh, better than what Julio is. And I think um, defending against the 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 Falcons is a maybe a little bit easier than against the the Texans because of the type of weapons that the Texans has versus. Um, the Falcons, but still, it's not obviously an easy thing, and um, you just you want to be able to have Denzel Ward out there to kind of help, you know, facilitate that, you know, take some pressure off carry, and so you're not relying heavily on that. And you know, there are obviously some ups and downs in that secondary, and a lot of the bust too. You know, you look at some of um, uh, the grades. You know, Schobert had a, a rare bad day. Uh, it was all the linebackers that had a lot of bad grades. Collins. Uh, Vallejo, a game, a game Jamie, where they needed Jamie Collins to show up and be the Jamie Collins, and we we had talked about this all week, and it was more of a you know I'm sort of here, you know, in effort, but and that's that's one thing that's hurting them. Vallejo, you had a bunch of crazy activity, but you don't always get the activity. You don't always get the production. Yeah, I mean, so like he's a guy that's always all over the place, right? But um, and. You know he doesn't. You know he's pretty solid at tackling or whatever. But um, him with his head cut off. Yeah, he doesn't know what quite he's doing out there. So um, you know, especially in coverage, and that's what's the most important. And then, you know, you had Miles Garrett dropping into coverage a couple times, and uh, never, ever, 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 ever. I, I mean, I understand doing it just like to throw him off, but like still, like oh, Watson sees that Miles Garrett dropped in coverage. Let's target him because he's that's not what he does. You know, you gave it gave up some yards that way. So, and same with Gennard Avery. He's a guy that you know seven times he dropped into coverage. He needs to be rushing the passer. Like he just he just has to be rushing the passer, and that's what you got to utilize him as. Um, so the linebacker set situation was what was the issue for for the Browns in this game in a, in terms of coverage more so than anything in the, that they did in the secondary with 
you know, with Randall Ward, Gaines, Body Calhoun, even Kindred had, you know, those, all those guys had the top coverage grades. And uh, it's not like they were out, outstanding outside of BBC, but still, the, the, what hurt you in this game would, and what hurt you last year were your linebackers, and they did it again today. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, out of your top seven performers, six of them were defensive backs. So that's going to be an issue. Um, now we'll go to the defensive line here. And they got consistent rush. And one of the things we consistently talked about going into this is if you were going to get in on Deshaun Watson, you have to take him down. He's still got the legs. He granted ACLs on both knees. But if you're going to get there, it, you've got to get home. You've got to get him down. And you look at these pass grades and defensive line grades. I mean, they're they were not good, John. No, exactly. And I mean, yeah, he got sacked five times, and that's obviously a really good number. Um, but you know, the, the Browns also did miss tackles in this game, and a lot of them were in in the backfield trying to get uh, Watson down, and, and he obviously was able to extend plays and stuff like that. And some even if you're not missing a tackle, you know, when you get a pressure on him, you got to keep him in a pocket and you know, just over pursuing up field or inside or something like that, allowing him to escape, that'll hurt your grade. Even if you get a, you know, get a pressure because it's still not, uh, you know, finishing the play. So, um, yeah, you, you look at what, what Garrett was able to do. Um, you know, he, he did have uh, two sacks in this game. Uh, but outside of that, you know, he only had one other hurry. So it, it wasn't, you know, a great game, from him either, uh, which you'd want to have, and he had a missed tackle. So, um, Gennard Avery had you know six pressures, so that was great. But again, he only had the one sack. Had had other opportunities to to finish home. So, um, yeah, you against this offensive line, you would hope to, for a better result. Um, and I think I think this kind of shows, and what I've seen throughout the years, that uh, you know as much as obviously Miles Garrett is, has been awesome this year. Um, if they can, st- you, you can roll protection towards his way, double team him, triple team him, chip him, whatever it may be, and it slows him down. And you've got nobody else on the on the other side that's really getting a consistent rush because, um, you know, I like what, you know, Aver brings to the table. Agba doesn't get consistent pressure. He just doesn't. You know, he makes some splash plays, but uh, he's still not a guy that's able to shed. Uh, and use his hands very well. He just tries to overpower these offense tackles, and it doesn't really work all that well. And and obviously, when you lose Ogan Joby, that hurts. But still, he's more flash than it is consistency. So, it's a it's a position I think you know addressing this pass rush in the offseason will will should be a priority. Well, the defensive line on the whole is going to have to be addressed. I think we've seen enough from Janard uh, Avery to realize that he is part of the defensive line. You know, I screamed all offseason for a guy like Elmas Dumerville. I think Gennard Avery fits that mold. Larry Ogunjobi, look, um, you know, when you say a bicep injury and everybody, oh, maybe maybe he can play this week. Bicep injuries, John, you play ball, I play ball. They usually only go one-on-one ways. I mean, you have a bruise there or you blew it out. So if he's out, but look, let's maybe see Emmanuel Agba more on the inside and, and and see how we're going to you know continue to develop this defensive line obviously with some pieces needed to be added and create depth there um Avery I think with the coverage aspect they made no bones about it they were active at the trade deadline looking for more athletic linebackers who could cover 
that's something they're going to focus on this offseason. They're happy with Joe in the middle, but you know they want guys who can run on the outside. Do you maybe finally realize that maybe Kindred and or Peppers could be those type of guys? So we're going to get into this a little bit more here. You know, uh, you know, uh, as we're doing the Lockdown Browns PFF night with John Costco, uh, guys, we're uh, uh, Lockdown Cavaliers. Chris Manning does a fantastic job over there. Um, it's a tough job, and I understand for Chris, he is where I was at a year ago. A year ago, we used to talk. He had LeBron James, all the bells and whistles of the, of the Cavaliers. We had Hugh Jackson, Deshaun Kaiser. Nothing was working there. Now it's kind of rolled reverse. But Chris is doing a good job kind of guiding you through here. What is a rebuilding year, you know, where you're hopefully, you know, looking for a lottery pick to add to your last lottery pick, all that type of stuff. But, you know, Chris Manning, Locked On Cavaliers, fantastic job. Guys, make sure you're downloaded to it. Now, John, uh, as I mentioned a little bit with the defensive line, it's great in what they've done and what these guys are doing, but you have to start defining roles for these guys. You know, some guys can rotate and play in and out. You know what you have in Miles. You probably know what you have in, you know, Gennard Avery as far as, you know, a nickel and dime situation. But there's some holes here that are going to have to be addressed, and you are already weak inside. And if Larry Ogunjobi is, you know, out, that's, that creates a significant hole because there is nobody after him at the defensive tackle position. Yeah, um, it, you're, you're absolutely right because, um, you know, Coley is not a guy that really has done anything all year long. Um, you know, your Brian Price is, is a rotational guy who's been okay. and But, yeah, really. Um, your highest graded it, defensive lineman this week. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, like, but that's not what you want. That is not what you no, want by any means. Uh, absolutely not. So, you, it's a definitely a position that needs to be addressed. I know that like Pete Smith loves at Oliver. Um, he, you know, I mean, he's a good player. I'm, I, I'm not. Uh, Quinnen's the prize of that class. He, he really is. He's he can he has the pass rush and the run defense, whereas at Oliver is just run defense and his. His sacks, where he gets them, and I know why. You know, Pete uses his threshold things, but it's because a lot of them, you know, more than half of them are cleanup sacks, where uh, the the court, you know, he the quarterback is flushed into him, or he's pursued, you know, outside the pocket, and it's a, essentially, you know, a cleanup sack. So um, but the thing with Ed got, Oliver, though, is is Aaron. Everybody wants Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald did it. No, but Aaron Donald did it in the ACC. You know, Ed Oliver, I mean, we've seen a couple of games. And, I mean, and most of the big games you go to were his freshman year. And now we're two years removed from that. Yeah, and exactly. And he still grades out. Like, he's, this is his best year as a pass rusher that we've graded. But um, he's just still not on the level that you want to see from a defensive lineman in terms of what we've, you know, our numbers since 2014 wouldn't be great in uh, college prospects that he just doesn't get the consistent pressure and he's not beating the offensive lineman that he's facing on a consistent basis. He's winning a lot because of late, very late pressure or, um, you know, like I said, cleanup pressure and sacks. So, um, Which may fit, but are you? do you want to draft that at 11 or 12? I mean, that might be more it, something we want to revisit at 23-25. Exactly. And, and, you know, you can argue that he doesn't have the, the coaching or whatever, but still you would like to see, even with just pure athleticism, which, you know, he clearly has, that he would be able to to win with that more often, and he doesn't. Like, I would say that, like, 
you know, even even some of like the, these lower tier guys are still winning on a better better rate in the pass rusher and you know maybe he can develop into that because he has obviously the athleticism but it just still hasn't hasn't shown that so uh, I mean we'll see where you know right now the Browns sit at 11 or 10 or 11 or whatever it is at in this draft um, probably Ed Oliver's gone then Quinn and Williams probably gone too John they're gone stop don't say so, probably <laughs> yeah I, I mean yeah right so like you never know but um I think I think you're probably missing out on a top DT prospect. I think there's a couple other ones there, you know, like um, uh, I'm just slipping my mind because I I haven't really paid too much attention to what the you know Simmons and those types. Yes. Yeah, Simmons. So like, um, and Clemson has a couple of guys, but um, I think still like what you know you want to you want there's a lot of holes in this roster as much as there's been improvement this year there's still holes and linebacker obviously the entire defensive line doesn't matter if it's edge or defensive tackle even in the secondary you still want to fill up these guys to to play better because really you've got randall and ward that are playing really well on a consistent weekly basis and then the rest of the guys are still they're just not having been there in, in terms of coverage yet so um you know, I wouldn't mind another cornerback at, at that spot, but really defensive tackle, like your, you know, topic that we're on, definitely needs to be addressed um, in the offseason. You know, one thing that you can say is uh, it would be nice to have Danny Shelton, but still he's not a pass rushing defensive tackle. You know, you can get the, uh, the third round pick for him. I think that's pretty good. He's probably not going to get signed to a compensation that you'd get for that. But, you know, I think you got to look i don't know what what's going to become available i haven't really actually looked at the the free agents either that's going to be out there so um i know that the browns you obviously have the, the cap space to be able to make stuff work and and uh, beef up that defensive line see and you and pete differ on oliver and quinn williams but you guys agree on danny shelton so it's nice to see the guests of locked on browns getting along and enjoying each other <laughs> <laughs> but john as we go here look there's four games left here look carolina Lost four games straight. Um, you're going to get Cincinnati again. And you're not getting Dalton. You're getting Jeff Driscoll. You're going to go to Denver. And everybody seemed very excited about Denver. And, oh, we, well, this isn't a winnable game. Uh, the Browns dropped 35 on this Bengals defense last week. Uh, the Broncos did not in the 20s. You close that with Baltimore. What are your thoughts here over the next four weeks? I mean, obviously a lot of it is about Baker and his weapons and figuring that out. Um, Terrence Mitchell comes back to the defense here and you know there's you know Terrence Mitchell was a strong strong player a guy we really highlighted through September and we want to see where we're at as far as you know with him because you know is number two cornerback a huge need but just some thoughts here as we go over these last four weeks and it's it's nice that we're going to get to enjoy December and there's games on the schedule that we're not just saying all right let's just talk draft every day because that's where we're at these are winnable games, and it's going to be fun how they navigate their way through this month of December. Yeah, and you know there is still a very, very long outside chance at the playoffs, but um, it's probably not going to happen. But yeah, these are these are yeah, meaningful games to see you know where you're at with some good teams. You know, the Panthers they have good pieces they have good weapons and dj moore has has been really excellent as a rookie wide receiver this year and obviously you got christian mccaffrey there has been uh phenomenal this year 
traded him away as in fantasy and really screwed me. But um, <laughs> he's so he's he's uh, dynamic. Like he's a guy that you when you see him play, that's what you want. How the Browns utilize Duke Johnson, you know, and he's fantastic in open field as a slot receiver coming out of the backfield catching passes. Where however he's used, he's been great um so like this will be a good test especially for the the linebackers against like christian mccaffrey um and then that defense still has is really really good you got obviously luke keekley and thomas davis uh quan short's really good still really good and then julius peppers i don't know he's not up to his standards of before but obviously still a, you know one of the all-time greats as an edge rusher um so good you know a win, very winnable game and a, a game that i think they should be able to win because i think cam newton is not playing at a very high level right now, and you saw obviously he had the four interceptions, forcing a lot of throws in this past game. I think he was. Well, I think be- the problem with Cam Newton is it's great to have all these like offensive weapons and dart guys, but Cam, as big and strong as he is, I mean, you're asking him for quickness and finesse and touch. Um, the offense they're running it probably more suited for the guy who wears number six and plays in Cleveland. I think I think it can okay for him because like you see the stats were, were at least on career high levels for him but he's not making great decisions and what's happening is that he this offensive line is bad and and gives up a lot of pressure and he's been really bad under pressure this year which you expect a quarterback to be bad under pressure and but when he has a clean pocket he does play really well he's, he grades up pretty well there so um, you know, if if the Browns can get after Cam, that would be that'll be the deciding factor, I think, in this game. And then obviously you have to be able to play well on offense and Baker doing what he does. But this is a much more, I guess, vanilla offense than what or defense he'll see compared to like Houston. Houston's probably the the schematic wise is probably his toughest test he's going to see all year, even even including Pittsburgh. And um, what you saw in the second half was fantastic in that regard. So um, you know, he's going to be facing a much easier defense here, and it's going to be, you know, I think he should thrive there. And then obviously with the Bengals, that should be a uh, another easy win for the Browns. Obviously you don't want to just write it off as an easy win. but uh, And then the Broncos will be interesting too because obviously you got Von Miller, who's, been, you know, he did basically what Miles Garrett did to that offensive line in Cincinnati this past weekend. And... Um, but the thing is that they're losing. They lost Chris Harris Jr. this this past weekend, who's probably their most valuable player on that defense because he's so dang good as a cornerback. He was graded out as one of the best in the NFL. So I think the, all these games are winnable. And then you look at the, you know, the Week 17 game. That, you know, a you you actually could be fighting for a playoff spot. And B, you're definitely looking to try to eliminate Baltimore. So. Um, definitely meaningful games coming up. Even if you lose one of these and still going up against Baltimore, I think you know, as a Brown, you know, Browns fans want to see the Browns beat Baltimore, in and and you know, knock them out of play contention. Well, and the other thing is you want to make sure it's a Lamar Jackson game because that's the future here. You're not you're not worried about facing Joe Flacco again. <laughs> the writing's on the wall in Baltimore. It's Lamar Jackson's team. Yeah, it definitely is. It'll be so at least get a taste because I mean, you want to yeah. see this game speed. You know, some of the running stuff that they do with him. Yeah, you know, they obviously run it a lot more than than they did with Joe Flacco, and you know, because they utilize his strengths better. But um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what what Harbaugh does when when Flacco's healthy because you know he's pretty loyal to, to Flacco, and you know, obviously they've had success without him. 
um, would he, you know, keep him on the bench because of the success that they are having without him? Uh, it'd be interesting to see how that how that dynamic plays out, and we'll obviously figure that out in the coming weeks. Well, I mean, you have Jackson the pro- in the concussion protocol, and all that stuff's going on there. So you know, oh, like, that's right, that's right. So I mean, but look, I mean, that's not probably not going to affect Week 17. But for the Browns, look, I mean, even if it ends up that you lose the game, you need to get a taste of Lamar Jackson. Uh, as much as Ravens fans are like, "Wow, we're not thrilled that the Browns got Baker Mayfield." A lot of Browns fans and followers and guys who cover them like we do, John, we're not thrilled that Baltimore's got Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, so, like, he hasn't shown all, all that much with his arm yet. And that's, you know, when it comes to when it comes to winning in the NFL, like, that's great that he's fantastic as a rusher. We all knew that he was going to be that. But he has yet to show that he can actually throw it consistently and accurately from the pocket. And he ha- he hasn't been able to do that. He's grading out pretty poorly in that regard. Um, so it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how you know the Browns can do against that because you know obviously against um, Lamar ja- not Lamar Jackson but Deshaun Watson they struggled because you know mobile quarterback was able to extend plays and get outside the pocket and and even though they sacked him five times it's you know it still was that threat there. So um, I'm. You know, me personally, I, I wasn't as high on, on Lamar Jackson as everybody else was. Uh, I mean, not, not saying everybody, but like a lot of like draft Twitter was and stuff. But, um, I, you know, I think he needs more time to develop. And I think, you know, you'll see flashes and stuff like that, especially as a runner. But he's definitely not there as a passer yet. And, you know, if that's a game that the Browns, you know, Browns versus Ravens and it's Baker versus Lamar, I would expect that that the Browns should be able to come out on top of that because Baker is, a, you know, much more advanced as a passer right now than Lamar is. But there is, you know, a running quarterback is, is a very valuable thing. And there's always, you know, that dynamic that he could take over a game in that regard. And with the Browns defense, they have the tendency to miss a lot of tackles. And if you do that to Lamar, he's going to, he's going to destroy you. If that's anything that we saw this Sunday in Houston, um, guys, this has been your PFF, uh, you know, Brown show with John Costco here from Pro Football Focus. Uh, guys, you know, uh, you know, if you don't go ahead, get yourself a subscription to PFF. It, it it's just another tool in expanding, you know, your knowledge to the game and things that go on. And people have asked about it, and this is why we do it. I mean, you see more about it, and you get stuff graded down to the minutest of you know parts of every play. And like you said, with you know Antonio Callaway with the long reception, everything was fantastic. But you got to hold on the ball at the end, and things will affect the grades. And guys are asking for more explanations of the grades. I, I hope we can do this. We're going to try to do this a little bit more. Maybe we'll incorporate a defensive play next week along with an offensive play just to help you guys have a better understanding of this. So go ahead and yeah. follow John. Follow yeah, Locked be- Up. Go ahead, John. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, I think I think educating – at least how how we grade things and how we view it um, kind of would show uh, essentially like you know why you know why why things grade as they do you know this how it and how it all comes together because um, I think if people understood exactly what goes into every single play um, you know I think they would have that much more appreciation for what it you know how these grades come about and what the grades actually mean because um, you know like the play obviously the Baker the Callaway touchdown. That's still graded as a big time throw and a big time catch for Callaway. He gets that. He gets that 1.5. He finished that run, right? That catch and touchdown. But it was called back. But it doesn't mean that what he did still didn't matter. And like, you know, 
how how good he was on that play or whatever. So there's there's I think that's that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So we'll do this with the defensive side of the ball. You know, obviously maybe a guy like Miles Garrett will come up, or you know Denzel Ward. Hopefully, if you know healthy and can play the last couple of weeks. But it, it, it's a fun way for you guys to understand it and take you through you know the process of a grade. You know, and Baker as bad as he was in the first half. You know, literally, I, John, what was it? He doubled, tripled his grade in the second half. Yeah. So in the uh, second half, he had a grade of eighty-seven point seven, and the first half it was like thirty-three point seven. So essentially, almost tripled his grade from first half to second half. And that's what you want to see with your young franchise quarterback who went through a lot. Guys, like I said, follow John. Follow the Locked On Browns Twitter account. We always keep a follow back. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, guys, look, you know, this week was not the desired outcome. There's still four games to go here. You look at the slate and you look at the surface of it all right now, injury-wise, health-wise. Every one of these games is winnable. Um, you know, for those who say, oh, well, it's draft position, screw draft position. You look at draft position when you need a quarterback. You've got your guy. You can fill in the holes here, and the holes are now minimal. And that is the best thing about this franchise. Still feel positive. Still feel upbeat. Everything about this team right now is trending upward. You have the same record as the Green Bay Packers, and they're going down, and the Browns are going up. That's what you're looking for after an 0-16, after a 1-31. Guys, until we talk the next time, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.